in that future world, there are marketers who know how to use AI and there are marketers looking for a new job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I would say the best marketers are marketers who understand how to use and leverage AI, but also understand the human side of marketing. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part at least, it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means? Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your co-host, Kit Bodner, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Kieran Flanagan from the other side of the world. And we have an emergency podcast today. I can't stand it. I've never, ever, Kieran, needed to do a podcast more than this podcast right now. We are at the uh, dawn of a new internet after the announcements from Microsoft and Google. There's just so many things to talk about, including like the product marketing team at Google, which we have to get into. (laughs) We're going to talk about (laughs) Google's product marketing. Sorry to the Google product marketing team. Okay, but to be super clear, Microsoft made some huge announcements around AI and Bing search on Tuesday of this week. And then on Wednesday, Google made some big announcements to their AI search that they're calling BART. We're going to talk all about it. We have more takes than I think we ever have before. I think Kieran and I set a WhatsApp record. I'm surprised we didn't break WhatsApp yesterday, <laughs> like how much we were going back and forth and just like sending quotes to each other. But this is the first time that we have talked live. We did some WhatsApping, but that's it. We have not talked live since all of this went down. I have a beverage. Like that's how emergency this is. I have a cocktail oh, in hand cocktail. because- Damn it. I'm like, this needs to happen. You just have like water over there. I have water. I'm trying to recuperate. I was in Austin last week. I didn't get to meet Sam Parr. If anyone actually listens to this, like, you can tweet Sam and say, How why did you, you not get to meet Sam Parr and because you were in Sam Austin? Because Sam doesn't use WhatsApp. Like, I WhatsApp him and said, do you want to go You got to DM sp-? him on Twitter, bro. You, you have gotta, to DM him on Twitter. On. I know. I was like, I was thinking he was ghosting me. I should told you, you that. Want- that was my bad. Okay. I don't even know where to start, man. Can I do my opener? Yeah. All right. So we have the AI wars. We can get into like Microsoft, how they're just yes. owning it. First shots fired. We have the Google Bard release today. So I, I want to talk to you about the frogfish. <laughs> what? This is okay, my, like, go. All right. So the frogfish is this incredible fish and it sinks to the bottom of the ocean. And then wherever it lands, it kind of mimics its surroundings, right? Yeah. And the frogfish, it kind of just sits there. It sits, it sits, it does nothing. It does nothing. It waits, it waits, it waits. Oh, I know where you're and going. And it lulls its prey into like this safe space and then it just devours them and this is microsoft bing to google right bing has been stagnating <laughs> yes. for years doing nothing lying there in the pool of dead search engines doing nothing doing nothing doing nothing and the reason this is really great for microsoft is because they have done nothing bing is only five yeah. percent of their overall revenue 
AdWords is 81% of Google's revenue. And now they're like waking it up and they are going to devour Google by changing the way that you think search should be monetized. That is my hot take to start the show. So first of all, for people listening, Satya Nadella is the CEO of Microsoft. And he this week just like pulled the ultimate like mob boss character from a movie Total boss. He was like, oh, Google has this big AI search announcement. I'm going to front run it. I'm going to do the day before. I'm going to do it and I'm going to totally go after them. You know why this is so impressive, Kieran? Is Do you know what Satya's job was for Steve Ballmer when Steve Ballmer was the CEO of Microsoft? No. Was he a software engineer? He ran Bing. Bing? Bing. <laughs> he was the head of Bing to CEO of Microsoft. Oh, wow. That is a career trajectory. Bing for Microsoft was one of the jobs Steve Ballmer asked him to oh, do. Dude, Steve he's Ballmer been was holding CEO. a grudge all this time. This whole time. It's like a decade long grudge. He's like that guy who just like, <laughs> oh, you said that thing to me. You just wait. I will never forget. And in your sleep five years from now, you will be done. <laughs> what a story. Isn't that incredible? This, this is a movie. Well, and why it's so incredible is that I imagine when he was running Bing, he probably realized, hey, I'm never going to compete with Google in this traditional search world. So the only time I'm going to be actually able to disrupt Google is when a new technology paradigm shifts. And so what does he do? Five years ago, he backs Sam Altman and OpenAI and basically gives them whatever they need because he knew that if he could differentiate on AI and win in the next AI-powered generation of search, that's the only chance he had to disrupt Google. And he was right. It's incredible to see somebody with like a decade-long plan just kind of bide time. One of the things I would remind everybody watching is like, this is the perfect lesson in greatness takes patience. Yes. It's like he had a strategy, he was high conviction, and he just stuck to it. Didn't matter what people said. Didn't matter what the doubt that was in his head. He's like, oh, I'm just going to, I know what I need to do. I'm going to do it. And Kieran, it was incredible. So let's talk a little bit about what Microsoft announced and break that down a little bit. And we'll talk about Google announced. Then we're going to talk about all the implications of all that. So give everybody your summary of the Microsoft announcements. So basically they announced AI features going to be free. Mm -hmm. They were going to integrate it in chat. People wouldn't have to pay for that. The other thing that they did, which was, again, they really taught Google a lesson and we can get into kind of Google's launch. They just released a version to the public. I think it's still yes. in wait lists, but a lot of people can get access. Chat is fully integrated into search. You can use it, but they're still going to send traffic to publishers through the blue link. So it's like, it's exactly, I actually tweeted months ago that I bet you they end up in some version of this search engine called you.com, Y-O-U.com. And it's a blended AI and search experience and it's clunky, but when you actually kind of step back and think about how could you possibly integrate chat to search, there's not that many ways to do it. And so I think in Microsoft, they're going to have an extended box where you can ask the things questions. They have a separate tab, I think, for chat, which I noticed because I was trying to get access and play around. I don't know if our audience would be overly interested, but they had some announcements in terms of like LLM models. They're using the large language models that I thought were pretty interesting. The other thing that he said in the announcement was that 40% of people click on links and then click back. So there's a ton of people who I suspect will use this that are not finding what they want because like they're instantly clicking back on the thing that they want. And then they also said that the accuracy is getting much, much better. And I think my question would be, and you can tell me what you think about the Microsoft announcements, but the question I have kept like with me is, why would anyone use the blue links? The, I think the blue links are gonna look archaic to the average user 
who uses chat and when the information becomes much, much better. But I would also posit that the people using the chat are not validating the answers. Like Microsoft said, oh, well, leave the blue links there so you can validate the answers. People are lazy. People want the easy thing. I think they're just going to accept what the chat thing tells them. Uh, I generally agree. So I have a few takes. I recorded a podcast last week, Kieran, while you were traveling with our good friend, Megan Anderson. And I made the following analogy that you've not heard yet because pod's not been out. I've decided that, you know what AI is, Kieran? Have you have you watched the movie Almost Famous? I haven't watched it. I okay. haven't watched there it. There's a scene in that movie where one of the rock stars does drugs and he's standing on top of this house and he's like, I am a golden god. And he jumps into a swimming pool. And it's like the ultimate like irrational confidence ego thing. And that's what AI is. AI could have the worst answer <laughs> possible. And it's like, this is the right answer. This is the right answer. You're going to believe that answer. And so that's the misinformation problem of AI. And that's what we are seeing. I like to say that AI is like a Stanford engineer turned founder where they know all of the answers in the room, but the majority of them are probably wrong. No offense to like people. Tech who are. inside joke there. But in all seriousness, I think misinformation is a problem with AI because of that irrational conference. And that's why those blue links are there. I'm with you that the blue links are going to look archaic. I actually completely, completely agree. That was a great rundown. The other thing they did is they integrated ChatGPT into Bing Travel so that it can help you plan mm, your trips, yeah. which is a really, really interesting, really interesting use case there. The other thing is that they are front running, meaning they are using a more advanced model of chat GPT than the current public chat GPT model that is out there and available. And so I imagine that's part of their deal with OpenAI is that they're getting some first right model access, which is a pretty big deal as those models get better and better and better. Right. Here, I want to tell you something. The most important thing of that Microsoft announcement was what was not in the announcement. All right. I repeat that again, the most important thing of that Microsoft announcement was what was not in that announcement. I read the official post from Microsoft. I said it to you. I read that sucker like it was like a legal contract, every word. There's nothing in there about how they're going to make money off of this This at is all. my frogfish analogy. It That's why I use the frogfish. They do not care about making money. They don't care. All they are trying to do is disrupt Google and take right. market share. Right. They're like, cool, search right now is such a small part of our revenue that we can just go on not making money and even losing some money in our search business to just gain market share. And they're making this decision from a strategic perspective to go and take market share from Google. And it is genius. And Microsoft's crushing, their stock's crushing. Google stock is down after the news today. It's working. It's not like they got penalized financially for doing this. It is all working for them in a way that like kind of blows my mind a little bit. May we go to the Google announcement? Because you mentioned, hey, Microsoft crushing it. The Google stock fell $100 billion today. $100 billion today. They lost $100 billion of market cap. I can't imagine that. What is the date? February the 8th. So people February have context. 8th. That's when we're recording yeah. this. And so- Microsoft built anticipation for the Google announcement because people were like, wow, Microsoft, which is usually playing second fiddle to Google, like as the butt of all the Google jokes is like, oh, their announcement was pretty good. The Google one is going to be killer. And every time I have posted about like the AI wars, people are like, wait till you see what Google have been sitting on. Incredible stuff. Incredible. Where do you see their announcement? Yep. And then they came out and they did the biggest fluff of a live event. And it was, it was so tough. It was tough. bad. It's like a company that's got so lazy. They did a GIF video with Bard and showed you a question being asked of Bard. And the information was wrong. 
How do you do that on your big launch moment? How do you get the information wrong? And that's why the stock dropped. Yeah, It dropped for Google, went up for Microsoft, because people are like, this is a company that has gotten lazy, right? This is a company that has rested yeah. on its market dominant position. And are they really ready for this battle? Yeah, Google lost over 8% of their market capitalization today in this change. And, you know, I think we all thought Google was going to come out with something awesome. I was actually super positive and bullish coming into all this. I was super bullish. And so the biggest surprise of the last 36 hours is that, is that Google didn't deliver to what I thought the expectations were. First of all, what was genius is Microsoft had to have known this because you don't go first unless you know you have the better news, right? Like Google set up their event today And then Microsoft set up their event in advance of that, right? Like they did this all intentionally, right? Like if you look at the interviews and everything, it is 100% intentional from a strategy perspective. So Microsoft had to have known on some level that they weren't going to crush it, that they weren't going to like knock this announcement out. They didn't have the product to come out and take to market. And it's not that BARD is a bad product. It is just wildly under the expectations that we had for a company that had seemingly unlimited resources and have been working and investing in AI models for years and years and years, right? They just fluffed the actual product announcement because Mm -hmm. the video they used had an example with incorrect information. How do you make such a base? This is is your moment to preview what the chatbot can do. And the information it fed back was like obviously wrong. Like people pointed it out. And so I think it's high expectations for the product. And the product, if you look at it, it's not that dissimilar from like Google's chatbot, right? Like, yeah. but I think the expectations for the market leader are higher than the challenger. And you're like, oh, like the product's not pretty much, we've seen this, there's nothing new in this. And wow, you can't even get the announcement, right? And I think that is actually made people rethink, are Google really ready for the battle that's coming? Well, look, I I really do feel bad for the product marketing team at Google who was doing this and and made those mistakes. Like that is a tough place to be in. I'm actually going to challenge a different part of this that nobody's talking about, Karen. I'm a long-term believer in Google's business, but I'm starting to look at that business as a YouTube first business more than it is like a search first business as it historically has been. One of my issues with that is what happened to that announcement today was that they spent a lot of time talking about maps and search in maps. It's like they'd almost like conceded some of that core search mm. ground. Mm. Like if you're gonna come out, like this is a lesson for all of us marketers. If you've got this big challenger coming after you, you can't come out with this big diffused message of like, oh, we've got this cool chat thing, but we also <laughs> have this great map search. It's like, no, that whole <laughs> event has to be about your core problem, right? The core Search business, that should have been the whole discussion, nothing else. I could have done other announcements around the other things that they cover today. The whole thing should have been around the core Google search experience. And to your point, like what you said in the Microsoft example, Microsoft put that out for people to use right away and Google didn't. Right. And that was another big, big challenge between these two announcements. Yeah, maybe that's the worrying part is like Google are like, hey, I know Microsoft and we have this search business and it's awesome, but like we still have maps. So, you know, don't lose (laughs) faith. (laughs) I actually think that's a really good take is YouTube is much more defensible right now, but uh, it's 10% of their revenue. I know that's that's the problem is AdWords is such a big part. It's for everybody watching. This is a classic case of the innovators dilemma where you are the leader. You have a proven business model that generates a lot of money for you. And you can't disrupt that business model with the new technology or it'll kill your core business. So somebody else comes along with new technology that disrupts that business model for you. And that is what's happening 
It seems to be happening in the very early innings of search. I think Google could still turn around. I really do. But in this kind of very initial phase of it, Microsoft has had a really strong step forward. Like I tweeted yesterday, Kieran, I was like, if you had told 10 years ago me that it'd be hanging on every word of a Microsoft <laughs> announcement and not caring at all what Apple had to say, I would have thought yeah. that you were a complete yeah. idiot. And turns out I was the idiot because like that is exactly what's happening. And 10 years ago, you were like, oh, you're going to be so excited in 10 year times for Bing's new search <laughs> announcements. Exactly. You were like, I would have been what? like, what are you talking about? You are a crazy person. And no, that is what's happening right now. Yeah. So so that's a little bit of a summary on the Google announcements. I, I hope that we did a good job for everybody covering who hasn't done the deep dive into those two announcements, both Microsoft and Google. Now, I think what we have to do, Kieran, is you had a couple other points. We want to talk about what it all means now. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. So there was a poll that you tweeted me. Yeah, I did. It's a super interesting poll. It's someone on Twitter. Uh, actually, that guy's really famous, right? He's like yeah, the guy he's who does a the, famous Twitter guy. He's got like 6 million followers. He does the Apple announcements. And he had this poll. 322,000 people responded to this poll. Huge sample size. Would you use Google as it is or Bing with ChatGPT? And it was basically neck and neck. Yes. And you were like, wow, like I can't believe this is neck and neck. And I, I was saying like, I actually think the right question to ask is, would you use Google actually with chat, like assume it gets chat, Bing with chat or just chat alone? That's actually the more interesting question because how many people gravitate just towards, I'll just use the chat thing, right? I don't want to have the blue links thing. And the reason I start the conversation with that is, that kills the open web as we know it, right? Because like, yeah. how has the internet grew? Well, there's this been, you can call it an uneasy relationship, but it's a relationship between aggregators like Google and content publishers. Mm -hmm. You give us your content, we give you some organic traffic, we let you put ads there, we let you drive traffic through, through ads. I think Google, to your point, can catch up on the chat experience, but I just really do not think the chat experience lends itself to the same ad monetization model. It doesn't, it doesn't. And so then we're in this place where the incentives get destroyed. And so the open web is under threat. And I think that's an even like bigger discussion point is like, well, where's this all leading? And I think that is the very first thing that people are trying to work out is, well, we have content, we have search, we have paid advertising. All of these things are dependent upon that relationship between publishers and aggregators. And if that relationship gets broken, we're in a very different space. Yeah. We've said for a few months now that this change in AI is akin to like, iOS or the internet, somewhere in there to like the level of change of how people use it. It's not just like this tech platform. It is a fundamental, you know, step function change in how we use the internet. And that's starting to come to bear. 
in a really interesting way. Like if you're a marketer, how you generate demand and leads and interest for your business is gonna change dramatically. Dramatically. And one of the reasons we know this is because Google is already trying to shift metrics away from direct conversions I'm so glad you to brought this up, influence. Yeah. This is what's happening. And I think it's the right thing to do for Google. Yeah. I really do. But that tells you, that right there tells you that they know the internet is changing. Yes. Them and Facebook are coming out with new metrics. Marketers' lives are changing. Tell people a little bit more about what that change actually means, Karen. Yeah, so there's been some news released, and I actually saw, I can't. I, if I could recall this person's name, I would say it because I want to give them credit, but there was a really good article that said that Facebook and Google are trying to push people away from thinking about the return on paid advertising in terms of direct terms. Like, I put mm -hmm. a dollar in, I get $3 out, and I can measure that very easily through the AdWords or the Facebook ads. And really, the reason AdWords is the greatest business model ever invented is because of that cash yes. machine, right? You put a dollar in, you get some amount of dollars out. The relationship between that is very, very clear. The problem, I think, and the way Google are probably going to start to try to solve the impact chat has on AdWords is what will happen is your ad will get shown, but it will not get clicked on. And you can see this in feature snippets, right? Let's, uh, mm -hmm. let's assume that really what chat is is an evolution of Google's feature snippets, but it's just a much better version because it gives you all of the answers within that page. Like the reason feature snippets was great for Google is because it kept you on the page of Google consuming that content. It gives you the answer in the little box. You consume that, but you can still see the ads around that. The problem with chat is actually, it does not lend itself to you looking at no. anything else because you're just engaging with, it seems like you're engaging with another person. And like actually a really good example of a company who try to monetize chat was WhatsApp. You may not have got that because WhatsApp's much bigger in Europe, but they put AdWord-like model within WhatsApp, and literally no one ever clicked on those ads. It just didn't, it never worked. It never worked. And so when feature snippets was added to Google, it reduced the organic click-through rate by 20%. I'll say that again for the listeners. When they added in feature snippets, 20% less clicks went to the organic listings. I would say that the chat is like oh, it's a 10X, 100X version of feature snippets. So it's gonna kill yes. the AdWords model. And so I think that the thing that Google are gonna to try to do is say, hey, don't worry so much about like people clicking on the ad and converting. They're gonna say, we're gonna show you the benefits of view through conversions. Someone saw your ad and then at some point they converted and the ad influenced that conversion. And if we can change the way that people think about that, they will still find our ad format valuable. I would say that Google, if they do that, are now in a war with a greater selection of publishers and they have they less- are differentiation and they're still in a horrible place in a really tough spot. I was talking to some of our marketing friends yesterday, Kieran, John, Sunil, some folks you know, and there was some really interesting things that came up in that discussion. One is that intent, you know, one of the reasons Google is so good is it because it captures intent. Somebody searching, yeah. somebody enters a word and that word then matches them with stuff and that they have a high intent for and they become customers at a much higher rate than most other channels, right? In the world where, you know, AI and chat-driven search are m much more popular, that intent doesn't go away, right? Like there's still the same amount of people who are out there wanting to be interested in those things. What happens is, like something like ChatGPT is amazing at capturing the highest intent people. It's not good at capturing people who are like, I don't really know what I want. I'm just trying to do a little research and then maybe I'm gonna stumble upon your thing and then you're gonna convince me through lots of marketing that I want this thing and I have real intent for this thing. You're gonna increase my intent for this thing. And that is a big change and that is going to be a really hard, hard thing for marketers to wrap their head around. And I wanna tell you what I think are some of the implications, Karen. 
One of the implications is I think brand marketing is going to move closer to performance marketing. I think you're going to move away from awareness metrics long-term and more into a brand's ability to drive intent. And we're going to measure brand's ability to drive intent through these high intent capture channels like search. I think that's going to be very, very different than how things work today. I think Google, Microsoft, others are going to get in the intent data selling game. 100%. Meaning I think we are in a world where the percentage of anonymous searches are going to plummet because they need people signed in to train the model and to map their interest and in data to the person and to the company so they can sell it, right? Like once I have that intent data, which I don't have today as a marketer, I could do all kinds of things, right? I can do way different ad targeting. I could do much better customized mm. email nurturing campaigns. A lot of things we do today would be way better if they go into that intent data selling game. In fact, Kieran, I'm going to make the craziest prediction I've ever made on this show. If you believe that everybody's going to get back into that intent selling game, you know what's going to come back? Display ads. Display ads are going to be important again. If you could do micro-targeted display ads that you can create lots of different customized versions of with generative AI, they are going to work. They are going to work. And I cannot believe those words are coming out of my mouth. I hate myself for it. I'm going to take a shower after this, but I think it's true. I do not think it's true because I think if you created the best display ad, it was created solely for one person and it hit on everything that that one person wanted. The problem is that users have developed blind spots. So even if that ad is an incredible ad, you just don't see it. Like it's like the way that we've kind of evolved to just see certain things and not see other things. Like we just don't see those things anymore and unless they are integrated into something in a much different way, right? I think that the experience really matters there. So to your point, if you married that intent with a better experience that's new, but I think if you just stick that a better intent in existing display ad slots, it's the problem is like, we just don't see that. We just tune that stuff out. I think that's a, we don't know if that's true or not. And the reason we don't know that's true is because I'm going back to the argument you were making that, that how the web works is going to change. I could create an incredible display ad just for you based on your Facebook profile. I would have to do somewhat illegal things. Yeah, but there's still a bunch of guessing on the intent matching side of things. And, I, and yeah. what I'm saying is that that intent matching is going to get 10, 20, 100x better than it is yeah. right now. Because you're saying all search is done through logins. And, I, and I'm saying one of the implications of that is anonymous search might go away, which is a really yeah. crazy and scary thing. When you interact with a chat, you're going to be logged. Like open AI is your yes. login. You're, you have to log in to, for chat GPT right now. I wonder, that's a good point. Like in Bard, do you need to log in or not? Is, like, is it just like an available thing on the search page? I don't yeah. think we know yet is the honest answer. I think that's interesting. Actually, if they're able to capture the data through login, attach it to your account, that data is going to be far better data than just even keywords. That would be the most valuable data. And yeah. if you can then, if they can then pipe that back in, imagine if Microsoft could then pipe that data back into LinkedIn. Whew, like it would be sick. Well, how are Facebook using WhatsApp data then? Like it's really WhatsApp for the entire world speaking to bots. No, because in WhatsApp, the chat interactions with other people, it's people. not with a yeah, topic, right. right? That's a good and point. The way I want to frame this up for everybody is people started trying to find stuff based on a word. And then they moved to like a phrase. And now they're going to move to like a more advanced set of instructions, which is kind of what's happening in ChatGPT and the changes with Bing search and even with Bard. And the next version of that, once you have a logged in experience and you have that feedback loop, the chat is going to help you get better at what to search for. It's already doing right. that, but like it's going to be chat assisted search. And so that means the AI has a real role in driving intent. And one yeah. of the things I believe is that is going to encourage 
all companies to have much better public available data to feed those AI models. And it's going to force individuals and companies to work in public because they want all of their information to be consumed by these models. It's like the next version of crawling the web. You are going to want your information included in these models. And if it's not created in public, it's not going to happen. Right, right. This is like mind-bending kind of stuff. Like it is a very hard thing for like, I think an average marketer, average human to like get their head around the implications of all of this. It's hard for me at least. Yeah, so brand performance marketing become much more aligned and changed in yes, many ways. I think so. Intent becomes the gold of the internet in terms of how you capture and use that. So the other one then is just on the incentives, right? Yeah, talk to me about those. I actually don't think I have a good answer to that. <laughs> I don't know. What either. happens when AI becomes a recommendation engine? So I have been playing a lot with it in terms of trying to recommend me different products mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how it recommends products. Because if I'm using AI and it starts to recommend me things and I don't have to go anywhere else for my mm-hmm. recommendations, then we're all screwed because there's no way to interrupt that person's education or buying cycle because I just go to an enclosed chat interface. Mm -hmm. I say, what are the best products to do these things? Your point is you're logged in. And so now that chat bot has all of the information it needs about me, and let's say it can suck in information about my business. Well, now it can provide me with like very contextual recommendations on products to use. I have no way, first of all, of deciphering how it's recommended those things to those users, Mm -hmm. why my product appears or does not appear. I've asked it to cite its sources. I've asked it how it makes recommendations. It's really just like generic, hey, I make recommendations based on popularity, based upon user reviews, which is actually really interesting it said user reviews because in all the uh, white papers and things I've read, it doesn't have access to user reviews. So I don't know what it means by user reviews. It said functionality that I mm-hmm. think is applicable to you. And it said something else. When I started to really think about that, that started to melt my brain because what is marketing? <laughs> my brain has melted so much in the last 36 hours, man. Marketing is trying to like educate people who don't even know they have a problem that they have a problem and then you're the solution. Mm-hmm. It's trying to educate people who have a vague notion they have a problem and educating them more in the problem and you're the solution. Or it's trying to just interrupt the buying cycle for people who are looking for a solution. Now, if all of that's done through a closed chat interface, then what do we do, Kip? <laughs> <laughs> you and I sent some very disparaging WhatsApp messages to each other. We were in the pit of despair for a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. No, but in, in all seriousness, there's, there's a few things I want to share. Again, I think brand marketing becomes exponentially more important. Yeah, I agree. Right? Because driving that intent is going to be huge, huge, huge. The other thing that I think is going to be important is that like educational information agnostic of human connection and point of view is going to be commoditized. And I want to explain what I mean by that, which means like you need to have education connected to a person, a creator, and their beliefs and their passion and their personality Anything that's not, it's going to be commoditized. Not tomorrow, not next month, but in the future, it's going to be commoditized. And because of that, the whole creator movement is going to be bigger than I ever thought. I was bullish on the creator movement, creator economy, going to be way bigger than I ever thought. When information is commoditized, personality and point of view. The personality and the human side of things is how you differentiate. So brands need to have a personality point of view. Brands going to have a personality point of view. They're going to have to have creators. They're going to have to partner with creators. On a, uh, we've been saying this, but this is like taking it up another right. 10x. It's going to be very, very different than how most people are thinking about it today. I'll give you my silver lining is I think we are going to have to guess less as marketers. Uh, And I'm going to give you my crazy experiment, Kieran, that I want you to critique and tell me, am I a crazy person or would you do it? Okay? Right. 
on HubSpot.com or any, pick any website, but I work, I run marketing HubSpot, so I'm gonna use HubSpot.com. Would you basically use OpenAI and basically feed the model with all of the website information, yeah. <laughs> all customer call recordings, everything that you could ever know about HubSpot in this OpenAI model and let people use a graphical user interface or use a custom ChatGPT version of HubSpot.com where they could answer everything. I think we should run that experiment. I would run that experiment. I think if you had a high traffic website, just looking at the prompts people entered on that chat in a period of like 24 hours would blow your mind. I agree. Like I think that intent information would literally blow your mind open. Like I think I would have like do analysis with that and I'd be like, I've been doing it all wrong. I'm like, I would think I'd be like, I'm a complete idiot. Right. It's not even just the prompts. Like if you actually had that and plus it had the ability to sign that person up if they wanted to do that through yes. the chat interface, like would they use any of the website at all? Yeah. And then also what answers were acceptable to them that they were, yeah. they yeah. moved on? Oh, like these are the best answers and they're like hidden on our freaking website. Like what are we doing? We're terrible at this. I like actually being able to feed it with the, not just the website data, but some sort of customer. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Product usage data, customer calls, support calls, right. all of that information would be amazing. It's like your most intelligent salesperson. Like it yes. actually can know, because you're when you start to grow, you're like, how can sales, there's just so many different things that sales have to remember. It's actually incredible they, the amount of things that a salesperson has to remember. But you can have an AI bot that knows all this stuff because you just feed it the data. Plus it can train off your gong calls. Yes! So it can actually answer yes. in the language of your sales team. Exactly. And so let's take this one step further. I, like we're going crazy town on today's pod people, but we're getting there, I promise. Like imagine you're a software company and you have a freemium model, product-led growth model. Kieran is one of the best experts of product-led growth out there. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. But um, not, to, not, to, not to honk Kieran's horn too much for him. But like Imagine you're interacting with ChatGPT and instead of just like going and signing up for a free product, you have AI, which is what adept.ai is working on. Go and set up a version of free software, take all of your data, set up basically what you would think of a tradition as like a proof of concept, a real working version of that software for your specific company that you could automatically go and start using like within minutes, not days, weeks, months. Like that would be mind-boggling that will change how this packages everywhere this is adept yeah it's adept adept is the company adept is probably the most interesting ai company on the planet right now after open ai i can't wait to see when they do their raise and go strength from strength if you work at adept and you want to come on the pod you have an open yeah. invitation to come on the pod for sure please and just to like go back to my point on having an ai person be your sales person talk in my book i invested in the company that are doing just this so <laughs> shout oh, out to them your book <laughs> Oh, always be making that money, Kieran. <laughs> My brain hurts, man. How do you feel? Marketers want to change and we got Clubhouse. <laughs> right, that's the line. <laughs> Marketers want to change and they got fuck Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got real change. Yes, the change may actually be awful for all of us, but Jesus, <laughs> it's so much more exciting, right? Like, Well, look, it's way more interesting. And I think we shared some things that are going to be really interesting opportunities for marketers in the future. And leading in the creator economy, I think leading into YouTube, like YouTube is going to come out of this undisrupted for quite a while. I honestly believe. I think YouTube is a phenomenal business. Leading into YouTube as a marketer, like we have said that, like we're all in on it for this pod and everything. Like it continues to be more and more true. Like 
wow, it is incredible opportunity to build influence and demand for your business. So like, there are real things that you can go and do, but also know that the level of change that is going to happen likely over the next 24 months is something we haven't experienced in probably 15 years. It's the internet. I actually don't think it's mobile. I think it's the internet. And I think my hot take to end with is in that future world, there are marketers who know how to use AI and there are marketers looking for a new job. <laughs> well, and I would say the best marketers are marketers who understand how to use and leverage AI, but also understand the human side of marketing. Oh, 100%. It's like, yeah, how to leverage it for their roles. The storytelling, the packaging, the intersection of those two skills in the future is where the next generation of great marketing leaders, great CMOs are gonna come from. I, right. I, I really firmly believe that where great companies are gonna come from. I'm exhausted. This is an emergency pod. Kieran and I have been going back and forth on this topic for like two days straight. It's like late in the evening. We appreciate everybody watching and listening and... I think we were kind of right about all this. We, we knew this was going to be a big deal, Kieran. We've been talking about it. And I think the announcements of this week show just how quickly this is all moving. I need to go back, actually, watch the prediction show. I can't recall. Which was only like two months ago. Yeah, I can't remember what we said about <laughs> AI, but I think we said it would move fast. We said Google would come out with a competitor in like April. Yeah. It's the first week of February. This is moving even faster than we thought it was going Just to. Just look at the growth rates. Like ChatGPT is 100 million users in two months. The next nearest, I think, was Google that reached that number in like two years or something. And so like the evolution of this is just going to be faster than anything we've seen. The fact that 322,000 people were almost at parity of whether they would use Google yeah, with chat and GPT, when right now, before this week, Google's market share in search was 92%. 92% market share. I think the big market share was like 5 or 6%. That <laughs> is a crazy shift in perception in like week's time. And that is the world we're living in. We're going to be back with this topic. Lots of marketing against the grade. We appreciate everybody listening. Leave us questions in the YouTube comment of things that you think we missed, things you want us to cover on future episodes around this topic. We are here for you. And we'll see you real soon on Marketing Against the Grade. <laughs>